Hello and welcome to the Sunday special. This is going to be episode 19, and as we do each and every week, it's a little something different. This week in particular, we're going to be talking with a new game developer by the name of Bailey Armstrong, and he's putting together um, something I've at least never heard of before, and that is a game that uh, tries to teach you something. It's not just mindless hack and slash or your typical fetch quest and the world is <laughs> in doom and needs saving. But this one, and I hope I pronounced this correctly, he'll, he'll clarify this for us later, I believe it's called Nihonko Quest. And it will attempt to teach you Japanese. And I don't think this is promising to teach you how to uh, speak fluently, but it certainly will be able to, you'll be able to understand it better, perhaps even play some imported games. We'll, uh, we'll talk with him about that here very shortly. So first, we're going to take a quick commercial break, have a word from sponsor, and be right back with our special guest here on the Sunday Special. All right, everybody, we are joined by the developer of, oh, you just said it, and I completely forgot it, Nihongo? Nihongo. Nihongo. Nihongo Quest. And uh, so this is, you are the developer, correct? That is right. Okay. And uh, your name is Bailey Armstrong. Welcome Mm -hmm. to the JRPG Report, sir. Thank you so much for having me. It's great to be here. Absolutely. So we've been kind of teasing this for a few weeks. We finally nailed down a, a good date between the two of us. You know, even though with quarantine, there's oh. still busy schedules to get around. <laughs> never that easy, right? It never is that easy. No, sir. Um, so why don't you just uh, go ahead and tell everybody a little bit about yourself and uh, I guess why you're here. Sure. Yeah. Um, so, you know, as everybody knows, my name is Bailey. Um, in case my accent didn't give it away, I'm an American. Um, but when I graduated college, I went to Japan for about three and a half years. I lived in the uh, Tokyo area for one year in a city called Nagoya for about two and a half. It's about, uh, I don't know, an hour away on the bullet train from Tokyo, if that gives you any uh, frame of reference. But um, yeah, I lived over there. I taught English for a while, did a little bit of uh business uh, office work over there as well came back to the u.s in uh, late 2018 probably october somewhere around there and i worked at the consulate of japan as a translator and economist for a little while uh, now i work at a japanese electronics company as a you know normal business dude i guess <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah that's kind of the uh that's me that's kind of the Cliff Notes version of it. Sounds like just an incredible journey that I'm sure a lot of listeners are very envious of. You know, playing the games that we <laughs> playing the games that we do. Just to even go to visit Japan would be a dream, let alone to live there for three and a half years. Oh yeah, it was a lot of fun. So, what was well, that like? Was that kind of like was that kind of scary, or was it exciting at the same time? Well, of course. I mean, I I didn't even visit before I went, which in retrospect was a terrible idea. <laughs> but um, I decided to go ahead and uh, make the plunge and move over there. Um, and yeah, first, there was a lot that you had to uh, get adjusted to. So like the second or third day I was there, there was a typhoon. And yeah, I wasn't checking oh the weather. Goodness. I didn't understand what was going around or going on around me but I'm, I'm from the chicagoland area we don't you know we don't get typhoons you know what i mean no uh, no you don't get much of any type of hurricanes no, none of that yeah. <laughs> nothing like that and so um 
there's a lot of walking that you had to do. So I'm going to the convenience store one day and I take out my umbrella and I unfold it. I'm like, oh yeah, you know, rain's really bad today. Walking to the convenience store, like there's no big deal. I get back um, to my company and they're like, why are you just walking outside in the middle of typhoon? I'm like, oh, you know, (laughs) so I mean, in addition to those types of things, I mean, right, there's the language, there's the culture. There are so many things that you have to get adjusted to, but at the same time, um, a really fun country to live in. Um, there's a lot of great people there. There's a lot of great food. I'm not sure if people know that about Japan, but the food, in my opinion, it's it's A plus, one of the best in the world. Um, and of course, I think uh, it's it's not all fun and games, but overall, I, I really enjoy my. I'd say so. That's uh, that's really cool. All just hearing about that makes me want to go uh, even more. But um, it, it, I get the impression that. English is kind of like a, a strong second language for a lot of people over there. Was that the case? Who would think? <laughs> I mean, Japanese people study it for, um, I mean, how many years? They, I think they start studying in elementary school now. Mm-hmm. And they study it at least all the way through high school. But you would be surprised how little Japanese people can speak English. Now, there are a decent number of people who they can read and write it pretty decently. In terms of speaking, I think you. I think a lot of people would be surprised at how, if you just picked a Japanese person off the street, they probably could not do more than you know very, very basic conversation. I'd say. I mean, obviously, that it feels like yeah, they do emphasize a little bit more, but I'm sure it's no different than the average American who, with whatever class they took in high school, they couldn't tell you a word oh, yeah. of it either. So. <laughs> sure. I, I took uh, two years of Spanish and I I maybe count to 10 and that's about it. <laughs> <laughs> I remember more. Yeah, a little bit better than that, but I, I think that's a, that gives you a good impression. I think. I had a teacher that emphasized a lot of French in the elementary school, and I bet I remember more of that than anything <laughs> I took in high school. That's <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, you know. It was actually part of the reason I wanted to study Japanese is because I took Spanish in high school. It's not that I not that I hated it. I do think Spanish is a very cool language uh, in a lot of its own ways. But I think uh, just the experience of going through like, high school language learning was just like, oh, I want to do nothing close to Spanish ever again. And so that rules out like Italian and French and all those. So I'm like, I'm going to do something completely different. And that's, that's part of the reason why I think I studied. I think a lot of people would take that if it was an option in high school over those other languages. That's true. Yeah. Um, there's certainly an, an interest. I mean, as, as Japanese games have gained popularity here, it's nothing new. This has been a long trend. So I think that'd be really cool if that was an option for people. Yeah, I think, I think it would be too, but um, I think in reality, the way that people are taught Japanese in school um be like not super effective sometimes what i mean by that is i know a lot of people who um i mean i even know people japanese was their major when they went to japan they could not communicate but i mean um i i think a lot of times like in a normal japanese class they try to teach you as if like they were teaching a japanese child and just due to the way the language is structured, which I'm sure we'll get more into later, but um, it, it doesn't, it's not always the most effective way 
uh, to learn and pick up the language, in my opinion, which is which is part of the reason why um, I, I'm hoping that this game can be a good tool for self-learners. Absolutely. Well, I guess that's why we brought you on. So we'll stop talking about Spanish sure. high school classes. That's that's always the way it goes on this show. <laughs> we get down that. So uh, you told us a little about yourself. Is this the first game that you've kind of worked on, or did you have some experience with some other things first? Uh, this is the first game I've worked on, and um, honestly, I don't think I would be developing if it weren't this game. Uh, when I was studying Japanese, I had ideas of this game, and so um, no, yeah, I, I think. This is the game that I've always wanted to develop. So it's going all in and I'm chasing it. And that's what it's all about is you've got to find something you're passionate about and do it. Otherwise it's going yeah. to show in your work. That's for sure. Mm-hmm. Now uh, you say that it's your first one, but I mean, did you ever tinker around with some basic things like in high school or is this, you know, purely you learned your tools and this is what you're going for? Yeah. I mean, I, I've tinkered around not with like game programs, I, I've tinkered around with programming before. Um, and if it's just basic things like, uh, you know, making a website, HTML, uh, you know, that kind of stuff. Um, that's kind of how it started. But I've, I've tinkered around in some programming, but this is the first, like, you know, oh, I'm going to make a game. Um, th- this has been a totally new experience for me in a lot of ways. That's really cool. I mean, there's a lot of people that would love to, to try to do that. And so, I just off the top of my head, I don't know of any other games that are trying to do this, maybe for other languages, perhaps, but this is the, so is that what you kind of realized? Not only is this something you wanted to do, but this was a gap in the market. Yeah, it's a gap in the market in one way. There are a couple of other games that have kind of implemented the idea. Um, and so I, the reason why I think there is a gap in the market and why, why I'm making the game if there wasn't, I no, I wouldn't be. I'm an econ major. My market, to, you know, studying all that kind of stuff. But the reason why I don't think there's any game that's taken off is because most of them are out there. And, you know, I mean, all due respect, uh, some of them are great games. Uh, they are primarily a game and not really a very serious language learning tool. Um, like if you were to bring them up in um, Japanese language learning community, uh, which was something I, don't know, I was really tied into when I was studying the language. Um, you know, nobody would really recommend them because they're not really very uh, serious tools for studying the languages. Uh, they could be fun and cool supplements, um, things like that. But n- no, we're hoping to create a game that is the first. Um, it is a game, but it is also like if you beat this game, you actually have you know a, a knowledge of japanese and so um that's why it's not just going to be one game because you can't teach everything you need to know about language in a single game unless you want like you know a game that takes you over a thousand hours to beat um that's why we're splitting into five separate games to hopefully take the time to build the foundation that you need in order to learn and understand language. Yeah, you, you kind of touched on one of our things we're going to be talking about that is sh- broken up into five different parts. Is that like, uh, right. you know, like maybe like chapters in a grand tale, or is it going to be um, once you get to the end of the first game, you're going to have a certain set of skills that would lead you into the next one? You Obviously, you need to go in order those games, correct? That's correct. I mean, if you're starting from zero, I, I would definitely recommend going in order. Um, but basically, um, you know, I won't give an entire rundown because I'll take the whole episode of, of how you would learn Japanese. But to put it simply, um, right, the first thing you have to learn is uh, their versions of the alphabet. 
Um, and there are three alphabets in Japanese. One is uh, hiragana, and one is, kana, one is called katakana. Hiragana, to put it simply, is like the closest version they have our alphabet. Katakana is basically the same thing, except it's used in different situations. So hiragana is used for just normal words. Katakana, um, again, to oversimplify it and explain it, is used uh, for like imported and foreign. Is not a native Japanese word. I would write it in the second alphabet. Um, Basically, those first two alphabets are the same. there are not so many characters. There's less than 100 between the two of them. Um, but the third alphabet is where everybody gets killed. Um, it's called kanji. And I've told you I've met people who have majored in Japanese, and they still struggle with kanji because they need to learn over 2,000 characters uh, oh, wow. just to have like a, a basic proficiency in the language. I think it's uh, 2,146 or something like that that the Japanese government say – it's re- these are like the required kanji, what you need to be able to read a newspaper and quote unquote be literate adult in language. Obviously, that's a huge barrier to entry. A lot of different. But, um, that's one of the things that it, there, there's a lot of debate in the Japanese community about the best way to to study those characters, the best way to learn it, because that is the hurdle that people inevitably get caught up on. But in addition to that, um, there are all the normal parts of learning a language. You have to learn the grammar. And um, to have a decent vocabulary in a language, you could probably get by in a basic conversation with, again, this is just, you know, general statement, but the most common 3,000 words, you get through a decent amount of conversation, but you probably wouldn't be fluent. Once you hit six, 7,000, you're probably feeling pretty comfortable. And once you hit around 10,000, the general consensus is that's when you have a pretty solid command of the language. You could, you know you in Japan and in almost any situation if you're able to use those 10,000 words and those grammar points effectively you basically be able to get around in almost any situation so that's a lot to learn right um I think a lot of Japanese games so far I've taught you know I'll teach like 200 words which is which is cool and it's 200 words that you didn't know before so I don't mean to put down anybody else but uh, the reality is it's not a sprint it's a marathon up a mountain. You, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. And so uh, five games to get back to that. The first one, we just focus on teaching you Japanese alphabets. Uh, hiragana, katakana, and the around 2,000 kanji that aren't necessary to become literate in the language. And um, there's a test called the JLPT is the Japanese language proficiency test. It's not a perfect standard of somebody's Japanese ability, but it's basically the best and most like traditional standard that's used to judge how good somebody is at Japanese. So basically, um, the first two levels, um, it's split up like N1 is the top level and then N5 is like lowest level. So N5 and N4, there's not too much content in there. We'll put that in the one game. Then N3 will have a game, N2 will have a game, and N1. So it's kind of split up in that way. The first game is uh, the alphabets. Then games 2 through 5 will be based off of those different JLPT levels. Gotcha. That's that's a lot to take in, but I I, I know it is a lot to take in. What what age? Is this kind of geared more towards adults, or is this something that, you know, younger kids could play as well? What's What's it kind of geared towards? Yeah, I mean, again, it is um, nothing like a 
offensive in it to like children. Mm -hmm. I think it is a serious language learning tool in that I wouldn't give it to an elementary school and expect them to understand everything. You know what I mean? Because there are some, if you're learning a language, there are some difficult things that you have to learn. Um, So it it just depends. I would say uh, did your high schooler may be able to do it. High schooler probably do it, but um, probably best suited for a young adult would be my guess. Um, We'll play test it and we'll figure that out. Uh, (laughs) The audience is definitely geared towards that. Okay. I mean, as a father of a six-year-old, I know exactly how hard it is to get, you know, there's plenty of games that are made to help them learn the language, but it's it either goes to pure fun or pure educational. It's kind of hard to get that balance to where they actually want to play it and are still learning something yeah. at the same time. Sure. And that is one of the challenges that I think a lot of games up to this point have had in making that. And I think... Um, it's very difficult to, I, I think that's why games will only teach you two to 500 words because, um, they want to balance what you're actually learning with a good amount of fun. Mm-hmm. Um, and that is one of the most interesting parts of developing for us because us, I think we looked at it from a different approach. Um, as I just kind of mentioned previously, um, we kind of started with, okay, this is what we have to teach. But at the same time, how are we going to make it so that you know, you're not just, as you said, it doesn't just turn into a strictly educational game. I think, um, all right, ideally, it would be 80% fun, percent learning, or 70 to 30. I think we're not going to hit that. <laughs> we try to aim for like a 50-50 of like, oh, I'm purely having fun. And okay, no, like I'm actually learning. And, you know, learning is fun. So, I mean, that blend is obviously going to be different for people, but... You're absolutely right. That is definitely a challenge, but um, that's why I think our game is its going to have a lot of content because there are a lot of things you uh, have to learn, and we also want to cram in a bunch of fun. So it's just there's going to be a lot of content for people. It kind of sounds like, and I think this is where people go wrong in their, you know, their game developers who are trying to maybe teach something where, and and if I'm incorrect with this, it kind of sounds like you're more of a teacher trying to develop a game, which the goal is to learn. And if you have fun along the way, that's fantastic. But you, you're specifically wanting people to learn how to speak and and write this language. Whereas other people are just trying to occupy people's times, basically. Yeah. You know, and it's a balance of course, because, um, Oh, and it is a game. So I, I do want people. Fun should definitely be a crucial part of it. And the achievement of that and all that kind of stuff is definitely a crucial part of the game. But yeah, no, in terms of where we started, we started with, okay. Um, you know, I studied Japanese on my own. Um, I basically a hundred percent learned it myself just through my own self-studying. So I know, okay. If somebody actually wants to be good at this language, this is what they need to know. And it's definitely, we built the game around that concept. That's very true. Is this like, if somebody were to go through at least a couple of the games, would this be something that they could then use to, let's say, play Japanese import games? Or would they need to really do all five of them to have a firm grasp of it? I would say um, the first game lays a foundation. 
So um, first game is really meant to get through the most difficult part, which is learning kanji, the biggest barrier to entry, learning Japanese, which is that. So then after the second game, though, you learn some more practical Japanese, you pick up on grammar, you're starting to pick up on, say, the first 2,500 words, which is probably what we'll teach you in the first game. Um, you could probably pick up Pokemon at that point um, to kind of, you know, Animal Crossing. I'm, I'm thinking those types of games. Right. And you would be able to not know every word, but um, you would be able to get through the game. Once you, that third game, you could probably play a game like Pokemon pretty comfortably. Right? If you want to play a hardcore, like, you know what I mean? Like, you have to, you know, you know what I mean? Like, uh, mm-hmm. Japanese, a game geared towards like Japanese adults. Uh, that would probably take more like into the fourth or fifth game. Okay. That's, that's I only say that because one of the most frustrating parts is, of our genre is the weight on some of these games that, <laughs> to get a translation into English over oh, yeah. here. So I was just kind of spurring that off the top of my head. What um, what game would you say this one kind of resembles the most, or is it just completely unique? Is there any inspiration behind it as far as a game that you were yeah. thinking of? Yeah. Um... So I, I would say uh, uh, that's tough because it, it, it is a mix of games. But if I were to answer the question simply, I think the game that I love the most and that I'm probably influenced the most in designing it is Pokemon. I think that should be clear from the visuals as well as certain aspects of the game. Um, but it does have a lot of aspects in the game that are not like Pokemon. Um, there are parts that are very, you know, that I would say are from other RPG. Um, I think it's more of a like. Explain it. See, it, it's tough for me because uh, you're programming and you're you're calling it a JRPG, especially because I'm coming here. I'm talking to the JRPG experts. I want to really be sure I'm getting everything right. <laughs> you're doing great so but, far. Um, yeah, well, thank you so much. But I know, like JRPG, there are some common elements of it. Uh, for example, is there going to be like a party? I don't think so because. Primarily, it's a game that I want you to learn. You know what I mean? I don't want there to be any AI. I don't want there to be any of those sorts of extra complications. Um, in addition, one thing that I've really gone back and forth about, whether or not there's going to be, for example, leveling up in the game. That's a standard of, of RPG, yeah. on one hand. But on the other hand, that means I have to sit here and say, oh, if you do this, right, like you have learned this much of the language. And that's one, that's a tough thing to do. Um, but two, everybody is going to learn their own pace and in their own ways. And there are a lot of different aspects of the game that are going to teach. Some will, some people will do better learning from different aspects of the game. So I don't want to like assign experience points to doing a specific task. Does that make sense? <laughs> oh yeah. Like, I mean, you don't want to say, okay, I, I spoke to my neighbor today and I got five XP. That's not really... I don't right. know. I don't even know how you do levels either. That, that that wouldn't make a whole lot of sense, to be quite honest. Oh, because of that, like it does, it has a lot of elements of the JRPGs, but it also has been, you know, there's some things that are probably going to be noticeably as, you know, absent, I guess, or a super hardcore, like, oh, this isn't a JRPG. This doesn't have, like, I, I don't know. I, I don't know how particular people are about their games, but story short, it wasn't only influenced by a JRPGs. It was probably influenced by a variety of 
game types in order to make sure that everybody could learn. Yeah, I think it could definitely be qualified as one, obviously because you're trying to learn Japanese. So that's one of the okay. basics is it's influenced. The look of it is obviously, like you said, it's it's kind of, you know, I wasn't going to throw you out there saying it looked like Pokemon, but you said it's influenced. So, so there you go. By the single person, really yes. <laughs> you know, and it's got that single party member. So that's more like, you know, the early Dragon Quest, you know, the very first right. one. So that was kind of what I just saw just by glancing at it. Yeah, no, that, that, yeah, that is a pretty accurate uh, understanding of where I'm coming from. Now, you, you told me this in a conversation we had that you just uh, downloaded Dragon Quest for your phone. Is that correct? It, no, I downloaded it on the Switch, actually. I didn't even know they had it, but I looked it up and got the first Dragon Quest on the Switch, and I was really excited because, you know, the Switch, one of the really cool things about the latest generation of consoles, at least for the Switch, I'm not sure about um, Xbox or PlayStation. If I just switch my, uh, if I switch my switch, (laughs) confusing wording. If I switch my switch into Japanese, um, most of the games that I play then automatically change to the language to Japanese. Mm -hmm. Um, So I'm like, oh, really cool. I'm going to play Dragon Quest. You know, it's one of the classic JRPGs. Let me play it in Japanese. I changed it to Japanese, but the language didn't change. And I'm like, what the heck? There wasn't a Japanese version of Dragon Quest available on the switch. I'm like, oh, man. Yeah. Oh, so I'm trying to play it in English and didn't realize that they were going to use like old English. Yes. You know? yes. <laughs> you go in and like, oh, where doth you? you and I'm like, oh, this might even be easier to understand in Japanese. You know I mean? Those early ones, the first one especially, it was, oh yeah, it was bad. Uh, they've gotten better over the years. They still have like a British influence and accents and stuff like that, but they talk a little more normal. But yeah, that first one, I mean, not only is it hard to read, but then, you know, you're pressing the button to walk downstairs and you press the button to open a door. It was those, that first one was pretty weird <laughs> looking back on yeah. it. Yeah. You said that. Cause like, I think a lot of times we look at games and we're like, Oh, you know, why is there so much handholding going on in games these days? Why are they making it? So this and that, Playing this first game, I'm like, okay, I kind of get it now. Because, like, trying to figure it out on your own, you're like, what am I doing right? You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. It wasn't, you know, as a child, I played that game. That's one of the things that got me into JRPGs was that game alone. But I no way, shape, or form could I get very far at all. It wasn't until I was basically an adult that I was able to go back and beat that game. It's, it's, they don't do anything for you. You just, here you go. Go have fun to beat the, you know, beat the final boss eventually. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so yeah, I'm glad that's not just me. <laughs> no, no, that that is. I mean, you couldn't get where we are today without all that back in the day. But that's you know, so maybe you should definitely play through that, and that will give you a little more inspiration on what uh, <laughs> what you can shoot for. Yeah, and I think um, that that's been you know one of the things I've been trying to do get more into JRPGs to as well as other games, but especially JRPGs to get more of those influences and to know more about jrpgs as well let me hear so the, to the you know listening to your podcast so you know it's, <laughs> it's been great well that's i appreciate that we we try to inform educate and have fun at the same time so we're speaking the same language there uh are there any jrpgs that you have played that you really have taken to that have, you've enjoyed over the year or you are like i said you're still kind of trying to get into them other than like pokemon I mean, I was a big Nintendo guy growing up. Okay. Um, and so I I owned all of the 
Nintendo systems, except except the Wii U for whatever reason. That's, but, um, that's okay. Nobody yeah, else did. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody felt the, the, that way about that. So, I mean, in terms of like RPGs, I played specifically uh, growing up. I mean, right? Paper Mario. I guess I would consider that a JRPG. Yes. It's probably yes. the one I was the most into. I, mean, I love that game, Paper Mario, and then um, various sequels until until the recent sequels, which uh, not as exciting for me sticker star and stuff like that and um yeah i, I would say uh, yeah because of that nintendo person that, that was probably the one i played the most yeah paper mario is a hit or miss for me like thousand year door was one of my all-time favorites and it still had yeah. i still consider that to be a, a true jrpg whereas mm-hmm. yeah the other ones you know once they got away from the turn-based battle system it's certainly they're fun but they kind of lost some of those mechanics, the grinding and all that stuff that made that one. So yeah, weird. I didn't have fun. <laughs> now, I am, I am looking forward to the new one just on terms of how cool it looks. And, uh, Oh, uh, I agree. Um, origami, what is it? Origami King? Something yeah, like that. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> that yeah, was... I agree. Hopefully they go back. It, old days. Now the, the, I'm, I'm sound like an old guy. <laughs> no, no, you're, that's what that's what we do every day. Is like I wish they were like these old games. Um, there you go. I don't know. We've seen so little of the battle system. It's kind of hard to say exactly where it lies at. Um, but maybe. Well, <laughs> it looks pretty. It looks like fun. It's Nintendo, so you kind of know what you're going to get at least. Yeah, for sure. Um, this without being an insult and saying this, this looks like a mobile game. Is that kind of your market or are you trying to go to consoles as well? I think we'll start on console because okay. um, it is, uh, or excuse me, not console, uh, PC. Okay. Um, because I, I think that's just the easiest uh, post launch to do. So we'll be on steam and stuff like that. And that will be the primary uh, launch, if you will. But um, no, absolutely. Mobile is also where we're going with it. And I think, that the uh, aesthetic of it definitely appeals to a lot of people who do mobile games as well. So I'm I'm hoping we'll find success there. I don't see why not. I mean, that seems to be an obvious application for people to be able to play it on the go when they've got time. Or um, PC is great. Now, is this something that you kind of would need a keyboard on the PC that would help you? Or uh, uh, see, that's the difficulty. Um, that's the reason why I don't think the game is suitable for console because it thought about it because i think um due to um on one hand i do think a lot of the aspects of the game are very suitable for mobile but amount of content in the game and like how much i expect you know how much time i expect it it will take um that i expect to honestly be console pc game Mm -hmm. more suitable for that type of player um and so yeah but that's the thing is in order to make it the best language learning tool um there are two things that make it difficult for console my opinion and one is that yeah it does require some typing okay um which is difficult on console but two um there's also an aspect of the game where you can practice writing the characters and if you're on the pc that would be with your mouse Mm -hmm. um and if you're on mobile obviously that would just be screen Mm -hmm. so that also be i think would be difficult on console um, so that's why PC and mobile right now are where we're focused. I guess you could see, you know, would need to draw on the screen switch could be a, a possibility, but yeah, the typing on with the on-screen keyboard is just, it's not fun. It's not <laughs> so fun. 
It's really sure. not. Um, what's your, can you speak about what a release window would be when you're trying to bring at least out the first one in terms of this year, next uh, we're year? Quarter one, 2021. Okay. Um, it's, it's, I, and I say that tentatively. Yeah, of course. As this whole COVID-19 thing has been a lot of things back. On one end, it's nice because I have more time in my house to help it. But on the other hand, there's a lot of things that need to be done in order to get the game finished that can't be done to the current circumstances. So um, yeah, I say that tentatively. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah we've seen no shortage of delays and uh i mean it seems like it's definitely effect- every game recently has had at least a month or a month and a half delay just for that let alone if they were in a position where people were having to work from home that's just not you know i don't know how you do ser- you know larger scale game development at your house maybe something like yourself you, you could do it on your own computer but yeah. that would be that'd yeah, be pretty difficult so- it is, you know, <laughs> COVID-19 has just affected everybody. And I mean, I think um, it, my fiance actually, uh, she got coronavirus. And, oh man, um, I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. I mean, she's better now. But it was not an experience. Um, and she's also, she's, uh, she's Japanese. Mm-hmm. And so she's kind of, you know, the native Japanese who's helping me with a lot of that native Japanese type of Right, even thing like that gets you back quite a bit. <laughs> of course, of course. And recover from something like that. So, I'm sure. But every time you mess it up, she's right there to to let you know that that's just oh, terrible. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, now that I moved back to the states, like yeah, obviously, I, I speak Japanese to my fiance every day. I speak Japanese at work, so it's not like I've forgotten. But um, it's you know, there are a lot of like weird words and phrases that you just don't use when you aren't living in Japan. When I went back to Japan uh, New Year's, uh, it, it happened many times where I'd be saying something. <laughs> it's just like, I don't know. This is what you mean. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> that that's, for sure. that's it. Or they just kind of look at you like, oh, seriously. I mean, you can't even speak English. No. We, you don't even speak English well, let alone our own language. <laughs> <laughs> sure. And it's one of those things where at first when you're dating, you know, she's... she's not comfortable enough but now that we're engaged and now everybody now she's very comfortable like nope this is what's correct it's like oh all right good to know <laughs> well congratulations on that by the way and hopefully you oh, know i know thing you told me you know that things are a little distant right now and you kind of you got a world apart but hopefully things will calm down and you guys can get back together here real soon oh yeah no i think uh obviously um it's good to be in this generation in terms of long distance dating because even though we're not next to each other we're talking right now so our relationships have been good in that extent it's just visas man where to get these days <laughs> can you imagine you know you go back to our grandfathers and stuff or you're writing letters and having oh, yeah. you know they're off at war and they're sending a letter back home to i mean i can't even imagine that disconnect where we were so lucky we could pick up a phone or we can just get on our computer we can see each other even mm-hmm. i mean it's we're truly living in amazing times absolutely so I'm very grateful for that absolutely uh getting back uh is this uh i guess you probably hadn't thought about pricing or anything along that far yet have you no i mean it is definitely going to be uh at least for our, you know, initial launch, it, it's going to not. 
I'm not looking to break anybody's bank with the game. You know what I mean? <laughs> I don't expect <laughs> it to be a super expensive game, but um, no, we're still still working on the yeah. We'll probably uh, go around with that as we go along. So no announcements on that yet. I I was I was saying that more of like this is not a free game. That this, this is a no, no. <laughs> we're so not giving you're not giving something away that I've got to watch an ad every three minutes, right? No, nothing like that. I mean, um, that is not the initial. That is not the approach we're taking. Have you looked? Are you looked at? Have you already done this? I don't. I, I didn't see anything. A, a Kickstarter or, or Patreon type support, as far as from the, you know fans. So I've thought about it, and um, not a hundred percent opposed to the idea of a Kickstarter or a Patreon. Mm-hmm. But I think lately, you know, especially Kickstarter, I'm kind of, not a bad rap. I, yeah, <laughs> especially looking at Kickstarter, and I don't. I mean, no disrespect to anybody who any dev who uh, takes that route, because I mean, understandably. Um, it is one way to fund a game, and so I don't I don't miss it. But I know, um, just in my research of people who said they were going to build Japanese games, um, even in that small window alone, I saw multiple people who got significant amounts of money. Then either the game never came out, or it came out almost a decade later. You know, I, that's yeah. a, an exaggeration, but um, so you know, I I'm. I don't necessarily want to take that route. Uh, Patreon, maybe, but that's not. If we can do it without a Patreon, my my mentality is: if you are going to give me money, I want to give you something of value. Mm-hmm. Makes sense. I don't want you to give me money for like some sort of future promise or investment. So one thing we've even thought about is uh, launching a merchandise store. So if anybody wants to support the game before it comes out, um, right buy a t-shirt you're actually getting something and i mean um we, we've thought about options like that but patreon um once we have more of a like i can actually be confident and say i can give you something if you join our patreon that might be one option we take no open to opinions what do you think what do the listeners think i'm i'm all ears to <laughs> people's opinions on those things i i always look at it from a point like if you do a patreon and like talk talk t-shirts you know hey do this, you know, level, and then you get a T-shirt type of deal. That's always cool in mm-hmm. my mind. But yeah, Kickstarter, gosh, uh, countless games have been beyond fully funded, and we never even hear of them again. They just disappear, and there goes your money. Um, or you know, I think that'd put a lot of pressure on a developer as well. Um, oh, I've got all this money for and no different than getting a, an independent backer, you know, a funder that way, but. You know, then you've got that, and you do hear a lot of success stories. But then you've got Mighty Number no. Nine. You know, the <laughs> so much money poured into it, and then it's a subpar uh-huh. game at best. That definitely happens, and so that's why you know, I don't want to shoot myself in the foot in case you know six months later I say we need a Kickstarter to fund the game. But I'm pretty sure we'll be okay with that. <laughs> That, well, of course, you've got plenty of time to to try to go with that. Um, what are what would you say is your goals as far as like numbers or just just trying to put out the best game you possibly can to get people to learn? I mean, I think first and foremost, it is a passion. We're going to make a game that 
mixes in um, as well as serious Japanese learning. I think that's the first and foremost goal is not a game of quality. Um, in terms of what I hope for sales, I mean, if I can even, that'd be nice, uh, <laughs> of course. But um, I think there is a there is a big demand for this. Um, I think if it's done right, um, I think uh, people will enjoy the game so um i don't know we'll see i i don't have a specific goal that i'm you know i want to announce publicly to the world but <laughs> i'm optimistic now we're i just picked up on something you you've said we are you guys like is there a team back home that you're working with are you the only one here in the oh yeah most of my fiance okay <laughs> okay that's, okay. Oh, that's, that's cool <laughs> Yeah, I know. We're we're mostly making the game by ourselves. I think for some of the stuff, I'm outsourcing it. So, um, I primarily the game is us too. Okay, I, I I thought so, but hey, it never hurts to ask, right? You know, that's fine. <laughs> uh, where can people find out more about this? I know you've got your website and a Facebook page. Do you want to go ahead and plug those for? Yeah, for sure. Um, I think Facebook is our most active community right now. So, so believe it or not, um, we kind of still consider the game to be in like a pre-announcement phase because okay. um, we really haven't launched a trailer. I wasn't even really expecting the game to gain the kind of publicity that it has. Um, but here we are. Um, we have a good community building around Facebook. And so that's number one. But we're hoping to expand. Um, uh, this will air. Will this air Sunday or next Sunday? It'll be this Sunday, uh, the 31st. Okay. Yeah. That's still, oh, actually, that's okay. I think this Saturday, literally this Saturday, we're going to be launching a Discord as well. So Fantastic. we'll be launching I'm on um, so yeah, Facebook. We're just Nihongo Quest. Um, Facebook.com slash Nihongo Quest. Our Discord, you can find it there. Um, our website, nihongoquest.com. That's uh, N-I-H-O-N-G-O-Quest.com. Um, there you can sign up for our emailing list as well. Um, and if anybody wants to talk to me, they have ideas, they're excited about the game, whatever it is, uh, they can shoot our page a message. You know, I, I respond to those. Um, you can find me on Twitter. Um, Billy Armstrong, there are a million of them. What's my actual name? Bailey uh, underscore ENG, I think. Um, my name, so feel free to find me there, but that's everything. If you're like me, you avoid Twitter except for work reasons. It is a distracting place, that's for sure. It, it's a wealth of knowledge. It's also a cesspool. It's, it's really... <laughs> It's so bad, but yeah, I will. Uh, I will personally attest to your uh, promptness on Facebook. You were like, every time we we'd start talking, it was right message right away. It was pretty cool. We, I, I try my best. <laughs> <laughs> Except when you're actually doing some work, and then somebody tries to message you in the middle of that. That's always fun. That is always a uh, challenge, but. <laughs> we, we we do our best and i think for the pages it might not be right away but i'll usually get back to people then and i'll make sure i'll make sure i put uh all the links down in the in the description so hey, people perfect can, uh... that helps even better oh yeah okay. i can at least do that for you um <laughs> you is there anything else you kind of want to touch on um i think we went through a pretty good amount of it but is anything else you want to kind of throw out there 
Well, first, I just want to say um, thank you so much for the uh, opportunity to come on here and talk about the game. But I just think um really hope uh, anybody who's interested in learning Japanese can look more into it. Um, us up and and i'm i'm at the point where i can still implement suggestions so if you think oh this idea would be really cool to put in the game i'm i'm super open to ideas um oh but he has feedback lines always available that's fantastic are you are you looking at uh maybe like a yearly release schedule or a bi-yearly ideally for the the other series yeah, of games ideally it would be yearly okay. um and right, ideally, we do it in six months, but you know, it doesn't always work that way. Um, but ideally, we'll be doing at least yearly releases. Okay. Obviously, once you have the, the initial build there, it won't be as hard to do the subsequent games. Right. Foundation will be key. I agree. Yeah. I mean, it's not like the Lord of the Rings. You're not filming all five of them at the same time and releasing <laughs> it later. Uh, <laughs> no, that's not the plan. No, no. Excellent. All right, Bailey. I think we'll wrap things up. It was an absolute pleasure talking with you. And maybe here, you know, as we get closer to release date and you've got something to, to show off to the world, we'll have another chat and see how things are going. Absolutely. would love to be back. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for joining us. We'll go ahead and wrap it up. Uh, Bailey, I know you've listened to a couple of podcasts and I kind of threw Jordan under the bus last week, but do oh. you, do you know what we say at the end of it? Oh, you're, you're on me under the bus here. Yeah, I do. I do. That's what I do best. <laughs> well, why don't you tell the people to get back out there and level up? All right. Uh, Everybody, right, big get man, I blew it. Okay, let me do that one more time. Okay, everybody, back out there and level up. All right, that's it for this episode. I hope you have enjoyed it. It's been very enlightening and uh, a lot of a lot of fun to get to talk with uh, a new friend. And hopefully, we'll check back in with him as the game progresses, and we'll have some updates for you guys in the near future. Um, as for next Sunday, I don't really know what to tease other than to say that it is entirely possible for the month of june we may have to do two podcasts a week as uh e3 is supposed to be going on you know around this time of year and there's a lot of digital events that are going to happen to the point to where if something breaks you know let's say friday or saturday of that week i may just end up doing a podcast instead of doing a Sunday special. So we'll just have to see how that goes. But uh, I'm kind of thinking June's going to be a pretty busy time uh, from what I can gather. And uh, so we'll, we'll just leave it at that. Thank you so much for listening into this has been Sunday special number 19. My name is James Fisher. As always, thank you for listening, subscribing and liking on uh, YouTube, giving us a like and a follow on Facebook and Twitter. And if you are so inclined and love what you're hearing, don't, uh, just, it would certainly help us out if you would support the podcast via your financial contribution. You can do that by either clicking on the Patreon link or you can support directly on Anchor. Either way, I'd be very appreciative. We'll talk to you guys next time. Until then, get back out there and level up. <laughs>